0: Perhaps one of the most incredible things that we actually believe as followers of Jesus is that everybody matters to God, whether God matters to them or not. That our Heavenly Father, in fact, cares about everyone, even if they do not care about him. And in the first century, this truth was lived out in the most incredible way, and it literally captured the attention of the unbelieving world because of, what it, because of how it behaved and not simply because of what it believed. It was a version of our faith that made people who were outside of the faith want it to be true before they could ever believe that it was true. Now today we are in the third week of our annual Four Campaign. Our Four Campaign is our annual celebration of generosity. It's where we come together corporately and we celebrate what it is that Jesus has done for all of us individually. And the way that we do that is by asking everybody to give a one-time gift of 1995. dollars Then we take all of that money and we give it away. We give it away to some amazing nonprofits and ministries in our community to help bless them and to help them love the people that God has called all of us to love. Because one of the things that is one of the amazing truths that's at the very center of this incredible thing that we call the gospel is this whole idea right here that it is, in fact, Jesus' extravagant generosity towards us which compels us to actually be extravagantly generous towards other people. We're not generous because we're forced to be, and we're not generous because it's natural to be. We're generous because we recognize what it is that our Heavenly Father, through Jesus, has done for each of us. And so as followers of Jesus, we want to learn how to organize our lives, how to organize our entire personal worlds around, Jesus, around generosity as Jesus defines generosity. But see, here's the thing that you know persuasive people like me right we can get you to give and we can inspire you to give and we can even guilt you to give and persuasive people who happen to be in places of ministry we can even bribe you to give right if you give god a dollar he'll give you 10 right that's called a bribe right that's called a bribe now we don't do that here a couple reasons why actually we don't do that first it's not honoring to our heavenly father right second God doesn't actually need or want your money, and he is, in fact, God. If he wanted it, he would just take it. And third, right, we live in the United States of America, and so that means we already got our ten. Right? If you have traveled internationally at all, then you know how, how, how far ahead, how so far ahead we are of, of so many other places in, in this world. And so, and so we don't do that here um, because, again, generosity is never about doing for others based on what you hope someday someone else is going to do for you. No, generosity, as Jesus defines generosity, is always about doing for others in light of what's already been, been done for you. Right? And here's the promise that Jesus makes uh, about generosity. He tells us this. He says, when you become generous, as Jesus will go on and define what generosity means, he says, you will give more. That's true. But you will also save more. And you will, in fact, consume less. And if that's not good enough, Jesus goes on and he says this. And you will also be happy. Right? Because Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, When Jesus said this, he was not saying that every time you feel good, or every time you give, you're going to automatically feel good. That is not what Jesus is saying, even though that is how we often hear this. Because the truth is, all of us, I think especially when we're little, but if we're honest, even when we're adults, we would probably say, okay, yeah, I feel good when I give, but I also feel good when I receive, in fact, if I'm honest, I think I feel better about the receiving than I do about the giving part. So, so, so maybe I don't know exactly what Jesus is saying. Well, see, what Jesus is explaining is simply this. He's saying this. Listen, um, this little word that we translate as blessed, it's just the Greek word makarios. And so it literally means happy. It's the very same word Jesus uses in the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount when he says, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. What he's saying is, is, listen, this is what happy people do. right? This is how happy people act. If you want to be happy, this is what you should do. This is how you should act. He isn't saying that you're going to be blessed as in God is going to do something for you. No, what he's saying is, the people who organize their lives around giving and generosity rather than simply receiving... Those are the people who are going to be happy. And then last week, we actually looked at some evidences of this from both Scripture as well as research. But interestingly enough, right, interestingly enough, the word that is most often associated with the word money is not the word happy. Instead, it's actually this word right here, worry. And so one day, Jesus decided to make up a story to go and to impact a whole bunch of real people. That story is found in Luke chapter 12. Jesus begins the story by simply saying this. He says, The ground of a certain rich man, it yielded an abundant harvest. Right. So this rich guy, he has a bumper crop. He's got more than he's ever had before. And so he thought to himself, because he's just like us, and so he thinks to himself, What shall I do? Right? What shall I do? Because even when we have an abundance, right? we still worry, don't we? We worry whether or not we're going to have enough to retire. We worry whether or not we're going to have have enough to to buy a house. Am I ever going to have enough to to buy a ring? Am I ever going to have enough to actually get out of debt? The truth is, most of us, no matter how much money we have, no no matter how much wealth we have, the truth is, at some level, we worry about money. And then in response to our worry, do you know what it is that so many of us go and do? We actually go out and we spend everything or more than we make. Now, I just want you to kind of pause for a second. I want you to think about the connection between these two things for a second. Right, clearly we are doing this because we're looking for something. But instead of getting what it is that we're actually looking for, what we end up with is debt. Dumb debt, silly debt, debt on things that we don't even remember why we, we purchased in the first place. And then as a result of that, we actually end up with no margin, right? And when you have no financial margin, you have no wiggle room, right, then you actually have something to worry about. And so what do we do as a response to our worry? We just go out and we spend everything or more than we make. And round and round and round we go. This is the American way when it comes to managing money and finances. But the truth is, right, the truth is there's actually something much, much, much deeper that's going on. Right? Because if I were to ask you, the, 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 you know, if I were to ask you, do you know what you're really worried about when you, when you say you're worried about money? What you're really worried about is future consumption. Right? So again, so what do we do? We actually go out and we consume more than we can afford to consume, and so we are, ended up, we are left with what is known as consumer debt. And then we have no margin for future consumption. And again, you know what's behind all this? You know what drives this whole thing? It's what we talked about last week. It's our appetites. It's that whole idea that I should be enough to fill myself up. That everything co- that comes to me is for me. So let me ask you a couple of questions. How much more money do you think you would actually need to stop spending everything or more than you make? Right? 10% more? 15% more? 20% more? What if you went to work tomorrow and you got a 25% raise? Do you think that then you would be able to say, okay, now for sure I will not spend everything or more that comes my way? See, the truth is the answer to the question, right, how much more money would it take to to stop me from spending everything or more that that comes to me is more money than I'm ever going to get all at one time because, see, hopefully over time your income will in fact increase But as our income increases, right, that's what it is that we just naturally do. Well, we just naturally go out and we spend everything or more than comes comes our way. Because the truth is, this is actually not a money problem. This is a self-control problem. Let me ask you another question. How much more money would it take for you to stop... for you to make, for you to stop adding to your consumer debt, right? And again, the answer to that question is way more money than any of us are ever going to get all at one time. And so consequently, what happens is as our income goes up, so do our habits, because this is not a money problem. This is, in fact, a contentment problem. Another question for you. How much more money do you think you you would need to make in order to be able to have and to create financial margin, right, 10% more, 15% more, 20% more? And the answer, right, is more money than any of us are ever going to get all at one time because, again, the truth is this is not a money problem, right, this is a discipline problem. Now, one final question. This question, however, is only for those of us who are followers of Jesus. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you're certainly welcome to play along. But we understand we would never expect you to do what what Jesus asks us as his followers to do. Um, But the amazing thing about Jesus is that Jesus was constantly inviting people who did not believe that he was who he claimed to be to follow him anyway. And so you're always welcome to play along. But see, the question for us Jesus followers is simply this. How much more money do you think that you would actually need to stop worrying about money? 10% more? 20% more? 50% more? And see, the answer is none of those, because the truth is, no matter how much money you make, I can show you someone who makes 50% more than you and who still worries, 100% more than you, and who still worries because money is, worry is not, in fact, a money problem. Worry is a spiritual problem. And when you read the New Testament and you listen to what it is that Jesus had to say about the subjects of worry and money, Jesus never says to overcome your worry about money, go out and make more money. No, he says, to overcome your worry, the problem is is that we have put our trust in riches, not in the one who richly provides. This whole thing is called the debt cycle, right? And living in the debt cycle makes you angry and frustrated and not generous. And see, the truth is this, and you know this. More money, right, more money does not give you more self-control. You know people who are extraordinarily rich and who have done extraordinarily dumb things because they lack self-control, right? More money does not give you more self-control. It does not result in more discipline. It does not create more contentment. And more money does not eradicate worry. You know this. And see, the truth is, I wish I would have learned this when I was in my 20s. In fact, if you are in your 20s right now, I so hope that you are paying attention to this. I so hope that you actually learn what it is that Jesus has to say to us about the subjects of money and generosity because if you do, right, if you actually apply what Jesus is going to say to us today, then by the time that you are my age, you are going to have so much more money and you will not just simply have a whole bunch of greed, a whole bunch of discontentment, and a whole bunch of worry like I did, along with a whole lot of consumer debt, because that is exactly where the debt cycle leads every single time. Generous people, right, people who have organized their financial worlds around Jesus' teaching of generosity are not driven by the debt cycle. In fact, Jesus actually has a word that describes this whole thing, but I got to warn you, it is not a friendly word. Right? It is a difficult word. In fact, this word, when you hear it, this is going to sting a little bit because Jesus said he, he goes that whole thing. I can just sum it up in one word. It's this word right here, right? It's greed, right? It's greed. Jesus said that this whole idea that everything that comes to me is for me, and maybe if I feel guilty about what I have, or maybe if somebody inspires me enough, then I'll just kind of randomly give somebody something. Jesus said, "There's a word for that," and that word. Is greed. Now the problem with greed is that we do not see greed in the mirror because we don't define greed that way, right? Because if I were to say to you, okay, tell me what greed looks like, you would tell me about this guy who's stuck in his basement counting his gold, right? But nobody does that. Or or you would tell me about some woman who's stuck in a a bedroom someplace and and she's just sitting around staring at her stacks of cash and her piles of jewelry, right? Nobody does that. that. That's not greed, as Jesus defines greed. Jesus would say greed is the person who has a little bit, the person who has a medium amount, or the person who has a whole lot and who believes that everything that comes to them is for them. Right? That's what Jesus called greed. And do you know where greed always leads? Greed always leads to worry, and greed always leads to discontentment no matter how many zeros you tack on. Most financial worry, right? Most financial grief, most financial tension comes as a result of wanting what we cannot get, not needing what we do not have. And see, listen, the truth is, this is not a you thing. This is a we thing. Right? This is an all of us thing. This is where we just naturally drift. This is where we just naturally goes. This is where our flesh, where it just naturally takes all of us. The good news is that learning to be generous, as Jesus defines generous, right, that crushes greed. It crushes the debt cycle, and it gets us out of this way of thinking that if it comes to me, then it's for me. Because generous people think completely differently. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And so he thinks to himself, right, I have so much stuff, what do I do, right? What shall I do? I have so much stuff, I have no place to put my stuff. I have so much stuff, I need a storage unit. I have so much stuff, I need to go out and buy a, a bigger house. I have so much stuff, what shall I do? What shall I do? Well, this is what I'll do, he said. And don't miss this, right? Do you know what he did? He did exactly the same thing that he's always done. What shall I do? I have more than ever. Well, I'm going to do the same thing that I always do. See, the more money you make does not mean you're going to actually change anything. You're going to continue to do whatever it is that you are currently doing. Which means that if you are in your 20s right now and you can get this now and you can learn this now, by the time you're in your 50s, you're going to have so much more money and so much more income than everybody else around you, and you're going to be so much better off than so many other people. But see, this guy, he just kept doing what it is that he had always done because he assumed what he always assumed, which is that if it comes to me, then it must be for me. And the fact that he got more did not make him generous. It just made him richer. This is what I'll do, he said. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And there I will store up all my surplus grain and my goods. Right? I'll save it now so I can consume it later. Right? Isn't that what we think? I'll save it now to consume it later. If it came to me, well, then it's for me. That's just natural. And I'll say to myself, verse 19, self Right You have plenty of good things. You've got plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. right? Eat, drink. Be merry. right? I'm good. I'm done. I'm, I'm golden. And you know what's so fascinating about this, if we just kind of paused here for a minute? So many of us, right, if we're honest, if we could go back in time 20, 30, maybe 40 years ago for some of us. And if somebody would have told us then um, how much money we'd be making now, right, we would think to ourselves if, if I ever, right, if I ever made that much money, right, I, I would be set. I would be worry free. I would be debt free. I, I, I would be done. And see, the truth is. Right for some of us here we are 20 30 40 years later and we are in fact making that much money but we're still discontent and we still have a bunch of debt and we still worry about money why because we just keep doing we just keep doing what we've always done and so this guy's thinking i'm done I have plenty to take care of me for all the days of my life. Verse 20. But God said to him, right, in the parable, right, God said to him, you fool. Right, you fool. Not for being rich, don't miss this, but for being confused. Right, because you assumed that everything that came to you was for you. That everything was his to consume. But God said to him, you fool. This night, your life will be demanded of you. Right? Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. He's got lots of stuff. He just doesn't have lots of years. He thought that stuff guaranteed him time. He he thought that saving it up for himself meant that one day there was going to be some of himself to consume it. He thought he was going to have enough time to to consume all of the things that he assumed were for him. But on this night, Jesus said, his life is demanded of him. And then in the parable, this is so fascinating, in the parable, Jesus asks the guy a question, right? And by asking this Uh, this made-up guy, this question. Jesus is, in fact, asking all of us real people this question. No matter how old you are, no matter how much you have or how little you have, this is the question that Jesus is asking every single one of us through the story. Right? Then who? Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Right? And the answer is somebody else somebody else, but not because he was generous, but because he was consumable. And all of that stuff that he had saved up for himself to consume, somebody else was going to consume. And then, right, this is so brilliant, Jesus steps back out of the parable And he looks right into your eyes, he looks right into my eyes, he looks at all of us, and he says this, this, this is how it will be. This is how, right, future tense, it will be. What we just experienced, together with this guy in the story, Jesus says, this is how it will be for anyone Anyone who stores up riches for themselves but is not rich towards God. And what is this? This is total loss. This is nothing to show for everything that came my way because I just consumed it all and I assumed it was all for my future consumption. And so maybe you're thinking, as the people in the audience are thinking, well, Jesus, what does it even mean to be rich towards God? I mean, how exactly are, are you rich towards God? To which Jesus would say, well, that's a great question. And Jesus always defines rich towards God as simply being. Giving away the stuff that comes your way. In fact, Jesus could not be any clearer. How can I be rich towards God? Is it my prayer life? No. Is it going to church every Sunday? No. Is it serving? No. Those are all good things, Jesus would say. But if you want to be rich towards God, then give away The stuff that comes your way, to which we might wonder, okay, how how can doing that actually make me rich towards God? Which is very simple. Jesus would say, well, listen, don't you understand that whenever you're rich towards the people your heavenly father loves, you're rich towards him? Do you want to be rich towards me as your pastor? Just love my wife and my kids. That's all I need. That's all I need. I'm, you, you love my wife and my kids, I'm good. I, I, I'm great. In fact, I would rather that you be rich towards them than me. That actually does more for me. Right? Same for you as a parent. Same for you as a grandparent. Right? As a husband, as a wife. Right? When somebody loves the people that you love, it's like loving you. It's better than loving you. And see, so your heavenly father who needs nothing and who owns everything says, listen, as you are rich towards others, you are rich towards me, which Jesus always defines as learning how to give away some of the stuff that comes our way. Because generosity is a mindset. It's not about how much you have. It's not about how little you have. Generous people do not assume that everything that comes to them is for them. And see, this is the part that is just absolutely so brilliant about Jesus' teaching and about telling the story. Because Jesus destroys our idea of ownership. And he does it by appealing to our common sense. Because he's saying, listen, this is the point, right? If it can be taken away, then you never really owned it anyway if somebody else is going to possess it then you are not the owner right if you cannot control where it's ultimately going to go then you do not own you manage temporarily and see listen if if hearing that right um, we might be tempted to think okay i see what's going on here jesus you just want my money Right, but the truth is, in all of the scriptures, in all of the teachings, everything Jesus ever said about money, he never asked anyone to ever give him any money. Right, so that's not it. Instead, what we discover is that what Jesus is trying to teach us through this story Jesus realizes that as as confrontational and maybe as, you know, in our faces as this story might be, there's only a couple of ways to learn what Jesus is teaching outside of this parable. One of those ways is to be one of those very few people in life who ultimately end up losing everything that they've ever possessed in a bankruptcy, a divorce possibly, perhaps by going to prison. The other way that all of us kind of get a glimpse into this is when a, a parent or a grandparent dies. And then all of a sudden you have to go and you have to clean out all of their stuff. And I mean, if you've ever experienced that before in your life, I mean, there's just this, this overwhelming sense of <laughs> they, they just don't own it, any of it, any of this anymore. When Joe and Nathan were growing up, I really wanted them to understand this because I did not want them to move into their young adult years doing so many of the things that I did that led to simply, you know, this whole idea of if everything comes to me, it's for me, and, and experiencing a whole lot of greed, a whole lot of discontentment, and then ending up with a big huge pile of consumer debt. And so one of the things that I did is when each of them were in 6th or 7th grade, individually, I didn't do this together, we did this one at a time, um, I took each of them, just me and them, to a couple of estate sales. Now, the reason I did that is because I wanted them to actually have this experience of walking into a stranger's home, right, and seeing a bunch of people that they do not know looking at all of that stuff. Right? All, all of that just precious stuff just, just piled up all over the place and then seeing all those, those price tags on all of that stuff where, where that, that precious, precious stuff is being sold literally for pennies on the dollar compared to, to whatever it was that whoever owned it actually paid for it. And then to experience strangers actually haggling over a couple of dollars to own entire collections of things that people spent their lifetimes trying to acquire. Because when you leave an environment like that, I mean, you just leave with this overwhelming sense of, listen, we don't own anything. At best, at best, we are managing it temporarily. This is so important. That is how generous people live every single day because it's true, right? The debt cycle, the whole debt cycle thing, the assumption that entire thing is built on, it isn't even true. And, And so Jesus The point of his story really, it it just can't be any more obvious, right? I mean, since it's all going to be taken away, why would we miss the opportunity to actually give it away? Right? Since it's all going to be taken away anyway, why in the world would we spend our lives chasing after discontentment and disappointment? Since it's all going to be taken away, why in the world would we miss the opportunity to give it away? Now, I'm not asking you to do anything. I just want you to think about this. I just want you to think about what it would actually mean to live this way and to think this way. Because this is how generous people think. Because generous people think like managers and not like owners and not like consumers. And see, your Heavenly Father has called you, and I believe created you, right, to, 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 to live far differently than simply being a consumer. And so as we wrap up all of this together today, I just want to leave you with one more question, and this is where we're going to pick it up together next week. But where do we start? Like, what, how in the world do we do this? Right? Because maybe you're sitting there and, and you're watching this whole thing go around the circle and you're thinking to yourself, yep, 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 that's me, that's me, that's me. The older I get, all I end up with is more discontentment, more greed, and more worry. That's, that's me. So how do I get off of this thing? For others of you, right, you're, you're sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, right, this is all true. It is all true. In fact, you're sitting here right now and you're thinking, thank goodness I learned this earlier in my life because this has just been the way that our family or our, our, my family or your family or someone's family has influenced you to think or to believe or to handle the subjects of money and generosity this way. But for others of us, this is brand new, right? This is brand new and we are experiencing this for the first time in this moment. Either because you're new Or because if you're honest, right, you just never thought about what this actually means for you as a follower of Jesus. And still others of you are hearing all this, and and you're probably a little bit skeptical about all this, and you're just thinking, okay, Jesus just wants my money. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. In all of his ministry, Jesus never asked anyone to give him any money. Right, because, in fact, it was Jesus who at the cross said, Listen, I love you so much, I'm going to give you something before you ever even have the chance to give anything to me. I love you so much, Jesus said, I'm going to give you something whether or not you ever, ever give anything to me. Because, see, what Jesus wants us to understand is that living as a consumer, right, living for yourself, that is just far too small a thing for you to actually give your life to. And see, listen, Jesus is saying, Jesus, he wants, what Jesus wants for you, what he wants for you to experience is more joy and more peace and more freedom. In fact, Jesus is inviting each of us, all of us, into that kind of life. And what he knows is that more money is not going to get you any of these things. But how you use it will. Now if you have not had the opportunity yet to participate in our four campaign, you can do that. Um, when you go into the lobby today, there's a couple different ways. If you want to write a, a check for 1995 or leave cash, you can put that in one of the baskets. If you want to swipe a card, There'll be people out in the lobby to help you do that as well. Um, This past Wednesday was an amazing day because in Guatemala City, 58 families from faith were adopted by 58 children from My Special Treasure. They were adopted by you guys, which is unbelievable. We still have room for 12 more families from faith. If you want to partner with My Special Treasure this year, you can find out about that in the lobby as well. And then last weekend, because you are so ridiculously generous. I asked you to help with Gifts for All God's Children this year. So you decided to sponsor 200 children last week, which is absolutely amazing. We still have about 100 kids that are looking for sponsorship this year. And so I would invite you, if you want to participate in any of those things, you can do that in the lobby. If you're online right now, we're going to put some information into our chat. And if you're watching at a different time, then you can just simply go to our website, faithtroy.org forward slash four, and you can find out all that you need to know right there. Let me pray for you today. Heavenly Father, it's in a moment like this when we hear uh, one of these stories that Jesus told that just, it just grabs us where we live. It grabs us by the heart. And it makes us look at ourselves. And Father, the truth is, if we're honest, sometimes what we see is not what we want to see. It's not what we want others to see. It's certainly not what we want you to see. It's not who we believe you created us to be. And so, Father, for for those things and for that shortcoming, for that sin, we ask for your forgiveness. And, Father, I pray that for all of us, whether this idea is brand new to us today or if this is something that we have just kind of done for a long, long time, Father, I pray that none of us, that we would dismiss how important this really is, especially at this time in our world when you have blessed us with so much that we would never become callous to the need that we see. In our community, the need around our world. And Father, especially for the need that so many people who have so much have that need to feel loved, that need to know that they're cared for, that need to be reminded that they have not been forgotten. That, Father, into that need, into those questions, into that fear, that is where you sent your son Jesus to give life, to give hope, and to give us everything that we will ever need. And so, Jesus, we ask that you help us to trust you with that. Help us to trust you with the things that you actually have given to us and we pray that the way that we manage all of our lives and everything you have entrusted us with, that it would bring praise and glory and honor to your Father and to ours. Jesus, we pray all of this in your name. Amen.